1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 55 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a production by Workforce LLC. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Ethan Karp, president and CEO of Magnet. Ethan, welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to talk with you today. Ah, oh, my pleasure to be here. So let's get started in the educational world, doing some research for this episode I learned that your motivation to get not only two advanced degrees, but two advanced degrees in biology and chemistry, and then not only two advanced degrees in biology and chemistry, you went to the best university in the world, Harvard, and you wanted to cure cancer. Talk to us about this. Like, what was the motivation behind it? How did you go down that path? That is not an easy at all path to go down. I was eight. My
0: grandfather told me this brilliant story about atoms and how they all work together. And I just loved this idea. And I loved this idea that, you know, the way your brain works, the way your body works, all determined by these little teeny things. I just, I loved it. I, I fell in love with science. And then, well, what do you do with that? Like, you don't just want to do it for science's sake, you want to do something with it. So, cancer is terrible we can solve that. Let's do that. And that's how I then when I was 12, I started taking university classes. Like I was really gung ho about this science thing and then graduated with my physics, chemistry, whatever, all those degrees by 19, finished my PhD by 23. And it was science every single day until you realize that you don't just wake up one day and work really hard and cure cancer. There's as much discovery as there is actual hard work and figuring things out and there's this legions of scientists all working on these problems loving the thrill of discovery which i think is a beautiful thing but that wasn't my motivation i wanted to cure cancer and i wouldn't have wanted to spend my whole life not curing cancer just cuz i looked in the wrong place so That's uh, when I jumped into business, went to McKinsey and then found my way here because I wanted to feel the impact of how business could actually help people. And while I'm not curing cancer, I feel pretty good about all the people who have lives that have been totally made better because of the jobs in manufacturing and frankly, all of the stuff that we use every year that's made better with better technology because of manufacturing.
1: And so was it something or someone or some company within McKinsey that then led you down the manufacturing path? Or was that motivation even before you got to McKinsey?
0: So that goes even earlier, I was like four, and I made this like little toy that was literally people kept saying make a you know, the, the make a better mousetrap thing. And I created something that was filled with some coins and some paper. I still have it on my desk. Honestly, I have no idea what I was thinking because the best thing this could have done for a mouse was amuse it for a few minutes. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, but I was four and I thought that was pretty cool. And I remember in high school, doing science competitions and you gave me the ornithology one, you gave me the chemistry one, no problem, I won those awards, no problem. You gave me the building one, oh man, I made a catapult, I made some battery powered little cars and they failed miserably again and again and again. And I think that this deep-seated like love of building but not being able to actually do it effectively was kind of inspiration so that when Felix Brook, my mentor friend, board chair here for 8 years said hey we're trying to do some new things over at magnet why don't you come give this a shot and he was a manufacturing guy i said absolutely let's let's make some local impact let's change some people's lives let's help them do real businessy things improve their production technology adoption plant layouts operations efficiency strategy and let's also help people get into those jobs it was a it was a perfect fit And and to round out that story, what you can actually see behind me, if you aren't just listening to this, this is actually a racetrack where we bring students in every single day to our new facility, which I'm sure we'll talk about to build electric cars using automated robotics. And actually until this moment, I didn't realize that that was a very long arc in my life coming to completion where now other people do it in a much more complicated way, but they're building things. So that, that, that innate sort of, how do you make something? How do you create something? That was born pretty deep for me. And I would say the same things when people come into Magnet and they see this stuff for the first time and say, wow, you can make that. There is that deep seated like, love of, we like to make something. And then you couple that with the pride that all of our makers and all of our manufacturers have for what they do. And all the people that work at those manufacturers in terms of what this means for their family. Like it's a pretty beautiful, exciting place to be in working on behalf of manufacturers.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, a lot to break down there. And we're going to jump into magnet and manufacturing stuff. But I think we're going to see we're also going to talk about the brand and perception of manufacturing as a whole. But manufacturing, to your point, produces a a tangible, whatever you're making, you can make a car, you can make a computer, you can make a glass, whatever, there's literally everything is manufacturing at the end of the day. And so much has been digitized in the last 30 years that, you know, people go to work every single day. And yes, they are producing but it's not necessary. you know, they're on their computers, they're in meetings, they're sending emails, they're producing, but it's not something necessarily, now I'm making a broad stroke, but not necessarily tangible. And so in manufacturing, I think that actually, I'll ask you in a couple of questions around like just the perception and overall image. But before we get there, I was listening to another podcast you were on, and you said one in two jobs in in Ohio depends on basically the manufacturing business. How does Magnet help Amazon? amplify the impact overall in the greater Ohio business community?
0: Three ways. One, we need our manufacturers to be as competitive as they can so that reshoring can happen. We can keep the jobs here. We can grow the jobs here. And most of our companies are also small or medium size, and they don't get the same resources as big companies. Well, that's not going to make our competitive industry for the next 10 years. So we help them with that, with really high quality subject matter expertise. Second way We bring awareness to the general population, to mothers, to fathers, to kids, to adults. Here's what manufacturing is to the economy. Here's what it could mean to you and your families. Here's what it used to mean 50 years ago, but we've lost track of that. And now there's thousands of open jobs that you could get tomorrow. Okay, we're bringing that into the public view. Heck, our building here. We leave the lights on inside, big shades open just so that as people drive down in town at any hour, going to Playhouse Square, going home, whatever it is, they can see inside and say, wow, that's what manufacturing is. It brings alive what we know exists, but is very quiet and has been very quiet in kind of people's backyards for a very long time. And the third way, we have a vision. We put out a vision and say, this is what our region needs to keep and grow that economic driver, that powerhouse of manufacturing. We call it a blueprint. We interviewed literally hundreds of people, manufacturers, non-manufacturers and said, what's necessary? We need to look for talent in different places. We need to think of innovation more frequently than we do. We need to adopt all of these technologies that are sitting out there and affordable today. We need to adopt them literally yesterday and finally, we need to lead in different ways than we've led in the past. That means for me, part of the civic infrastructure, I need to be working with every other group. There's not enough resources to be, you know saying, "Well, I'll do this. you do this." Like we got to combine forces. But at a company level, we need companies to continue to take risks. It's no longer okay to say, "I'll take some money out, and I'll take some money out, and it'll be okay. It's not going to be okay. These companies in manufacturing need constant, constant investment.
1: So let's say it's it's 10 years from now, right? We hit 2030, 2032, 2033. What does manufacturing in Ohio look like? And, you know, how has Magnet helped to get it there? So
0: in, in 2030, manufacturing looks partially like it looks today, but it has a lot more technology in it and a lot more new products. And the complexion and composition of the workforce is a lot more diverse. And that is a direct product of what we set out for this vision for the region. So starting in talent, we need all the things that you hear about. And, and Magnet does a lot of these things, pioneering German style apprenticeship, but in an American version, figuring out how we get awareness in careers at all levels of education, figuring out how we're not gonna ever have, again, enough shop classes or career tech. We love those, but we gotta figure out how to take from normal schools and get a few of those students excited and interested in manufacturing. All of that, the net effect of which is we're looking for talent in places that we haven't necessarily looked for it before. Say, for example, we're going into our rural areas or we're going into our cities where not as many people even participate in the workforce. That's where you can find talent. So it's going to naturally diversify our populations so that our companies actually look like our communities. And that'll go all the way up. That'll be managers and eventually owners, et cetera. The second area, technology adoption. There is so much technology out there that literally we're demoing here behind me, but we're implementing every single day. And it ranges from You need to put some monitoring equipment. So rather than waiting weekly or monthly to know how you did on a machine, you can know daily by minute, you can correct things, you can predict when they'll break to robots. Robots aren't new. Automation isn't new. And uh, uh, you know, you said tangents, right? This whole, oh, they're going to replace all the workers. What do you think happened to all the workers from the seventies till now? I mean, we make more stuff here than we've ever made in Northeast Ohio, but we do it with like, 70, 80% fewer people because of automation. Automation has already come to manufacturing. That is manufacturing's journey. And so from that perspective, we still need more of it. It still needs to continue, but it's not going to be replacing people. All that robotics that you have today, that was the stuff we could cram into a box and say, well, you used to have drills and presses. Look, we still all have that stuff out here too, you know, and milling equipment. And now we've put it all into a box and called it CNC, and it can do all that stuff itself, right? That's automation. So are those yellow arms that you see in car companies. That's automation, but there's no people. You can't get inside the CNC. You can't go next to those yellow arms. Collaborative robots, on the other hand, that's the frontier. That thing can sit right next to you, program it real quick, and it can do that boring, putting the piece in, putting the part out, pressing the button job that you don't want to do so you can fix that robot, you can tend multiple machines, and that makes your wages go up. That is what we need to see in our manufacturing facilities all the time. That's the investment required. And innovation, innovation is the hardest one of them all because you never know what's going to work. If you create a new product, obviously, everybody knows new products. That's where manufacturing's at or new services. If, if you don't have a product and you build things for other people, that's how you innovate. That's how you gain new customers. Okay. Are you spending enough time and money doing that? Are we as an ecosystem, if it's a startup or a spin out, putting enough money toward it? These are the types of things that we need to have a lot more of. And we need to convince a lot more manufacturers that they need to be putting their money in there. Again, that's leadership. We can do a lot of these things together. Manufacturing is going to look different by its people. It's going to have more innovation and it's going to have more technology. That's what it's going to look like in 10 years.
1: And that's going to mean more jobs for the economy. So let's go back to the workforce. You mentioned German-style apprenticeship. What is that?
0: German-style apprenticeship, everybody lauds it. In fact, Felix, my mentor, he's from Germany. He owns a family business in Germany. And he tells these beautiful stories of going home and maybe his dad was late home. And the reason he was late at home on a night was he was helping one of the interns with their math homework so that they could complete school. That depth of social bond and promise that the companies have, social contract, we sometimes call it, is tremendous. And, and anybody going overseas and seeing this, in Europe in general, but German in specific, you see this, there's this commitment. Almost all the plants you go there and you see all the way up to the owner's. They all started as apprentices. Now, we obviously don't have that culture. And there's one piece of this that is very, very tricky. And that is they're so committed because they don't have to worry in most cases that that person is suddenly gonna decide, you know what, I want a four-year liberal arts degree and I'll become a you know bartender for a few years. I say that very facetiously. I have no problems with liberal arts degrees, but if you're gonna spend your time mentoring a person to get through school, the expectation is then that person's gonna do that for the next generation by working there. And that culture is not an American culture at all. And that tracking mechanism, because this happens really early in the schools. We talk a lot about this. That's not American in in any way, shape, or form. And it's not going to be. I can talk all day. I actually believe very strongly that this is never a choice between college or going to school. I believe in college. I think it's great. Does everybody have to do it? Obviously not. But those that want it Every single manufacturing pathway has a very inexpensive degree that you can get at a local community college that your companies are probably going to pay for. And then when you want to become an engineer or you want to get a different job, you have better credentials to do it with. You don't need it to go in and you certainly don't need to do four years of school to go into debt before you go do it. That's what we're talking about by the way, really appealing to somebody coming from an environment where they're supporting their family. That allows them to do it. It allows you to raise people into the middle class, which is really the promise of all these workforce efforts. So in Germany, that tracking system makes it really tough to replicate. So what have we done? We've surrounded kids primarily from city of Cleveland with mentorship. We've had to transport them. We've given them the skills. Companies are involved at all levels. Their students are paid. They get classroom instruction but they're still high school students and we make sure that they're surrounded by all the same sorts of care love attention practical guidance of oh you didn't call off you're about to get fired get your button gear and call off or On a a sad note, being like, oh, you can't afford proper clothes. Let's help you figure out how to navigate that. That is our program in a nutshell, combining what we see as the best of German style apprenticeship with what we do really best and trying to get a certain number of those students to either enter engineering college programs or to take the job with the companies. And so we've done our best approximation of it. I think there's one thing that we have going for us that Germany doesn't. And that is, for better or for worse, we've instilled a lifelong understanding that learning is important so all of that technology that i mentioned that's going to keep on evolving over the next 10 years our companies are going to be primed to be like hey go take that course come on back you understand how this works college is important go get that information bring it back and make our companies better at a faster rate that lifelong learning will always be there but it does complicate getting students directly from school
1: to want to be in jobs and apprenticeships thank you for listening to the rust belt rundown we'll be right back after a quick break Welcome back to the Rust Belt Rundown. So let's stick on that, right? Getting students from jobs, attracting them into manufacturing. How, you, you actually recently wrote an article in this in Forbes. We will link it in the podcast and in the, the write-up afterwards. But how can manufacturing or how does manufacturing introduce flexibility? right? You know, now you're interviewing people of all ages, right? A 23 year old and a 42 year old. And they're asking, what's the work policy? Is it hybrid? Do I have to come in if two days a week? It's the first question. It's what people are asking, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm wrong way more than I'm right. But manufacturing is 99.9% of the time in person. So how does, how does manufacturing deal with that? Right? I mean, that, what, what is the, the strategy there?
0: So we're never going to combat people that don't want to be physically present. But I think there's enough studies to show that that is a minority of folks. It's flexibility that people desire in many forms, one of which can be remote. And I think that manufacturers grappling with that particular issue is the next frontier of what work looks like. They're going to need people there present. You're totally right but what shift hours they have, what flexibility they have in case you have to call off or lose a few hours here or there. Those are all things that can be worked. They're not easy. The easy ones, the low hanging fruit is, okay, do people want to work four tens? All right. So if they want to work four tens, do you get an extra day off. Does that make people happy? And I'll tell you, it's a one-on-one company decision. It's not just because the one owner wants it. I know company owners that have four different plants and each plant runs differently because that's what those individuals in that plant wanted. Then your second easiest is saying, well, we'll we'll create some shifts that are shorter and, you know, we'll enable mothers to come in during school. And again, that's all very specific. If you're near a school, well, then that actually I've heard works pretty well. You can get a, you can get a group of people to come in when they're, when they're not having to take care of their kids. Then you get into the really complicated and fun to ponder stuff, which is Can you truly make a swing type environment where there's some people on staff, if you're large enough, who can plug in anywhere? So if you need that two hours off, the plug comes on in. Or you create a line that is very flexible, where there's a whole bunch of people cross trained and the people that are there that day can run that line. Whereas, you know, your core lines, you fill them up, you make sure they're there. And this is a swing line that you use whenever you need to. Again, these are complicated solutions, but- manufacturing at the very least needs an answer to the very practical reality that even when you do hire people, they still don't sometimes show up on time, et cetera, and you can keep firing them. But in an environment where they're so hard to find, how about we come up with a solution that is maybe slightly less efficient, but I'd take less efficient and people to run it over understaffed and paying overtime anytime. Those are some of the solutions, some of the thoughts. I think there's an equally complicated thing around transportation and how we do transportation to get populations. Uh, I, I won't go into it right now, but there's equally complicated sort of solutions that companies are just now thinking of. The difference about flexibility is they can really try it out themselves piece by piece and say, does this work? Does that work? What works? Yep. Well, I add one other thing, which is your issues of flexibility are there now. Not to be the curmudgeon here, but if the economy gets tough again, We're in a very weird spot where people are demanding all those things. If it gets tough again, I'm not sure manufacturers outside of their decreased demand and thus they won't have as many open jobs. I'm not sure they're going to have an easier time recruiting people. But I think people in general will be a little bit more open to non-flexible arrangements if they really want a, a job. So my job is not necessarily made easier by a recession because I still have to figure out how to get people to want to go into manufacturing. But I think some of those flexibility concerns get a little bit less dire.
1: On another recent podcast I was listening to, you mentioned that the manufacturing industry as a whole would need a Coca-Cola level marketing machine to change the, I don't wanna call it a stigma, but you know, change the image around manufacturing. And we have talked about if our loyal listeners are listening to this one as well, this is a topic that we ask almost everyone. Specifically for you, how can Magnet help change the overall perception around manufacturing?
0: So Magnet has been in that game for 20 years now. And our earliest attempts were marketing campaigns. And I believe it did change some people's minds, particularly influencers like schools who said, boy, we need to pay attention to this more. That message has been heard. So fast forward 10 years and the stigma you mentioned, I've noticed not as much a stigma. The dark, dirty, dangerous that people have in their mind, sometimes there, but more often, the folks right outside our door here in Huff in the center of Cleveland, they have no idea what manufacturing is or that it exists. That's it, that no concept. So it's actually straight up awareness that these jobs exist.
1: No concept's better than a bad it. So that's actually a clean slate. You'd almost prefer that, right? Yes.
0: Except you're now competing with all the jobs that they do know.
1: <laughs> yeah. True.
0: So I'm having to say, hey, come check out this thing that sounds cool that you don't quite even understand what automation and robotics and all this stuff is. And they're like, is it like Taco Bell? Is it like selling clothes? Is it like the job my parents have? Is it and I'm like, no, it's actually not like any of those things at all. Is it it's kind of like fixing your cart? What's that? You know, <laughs> like there, there's nothing to compare it to. So in some ways it's Good because I don't have to convince them it's not bad. In some, in the other way, it's like how do I convince you that this is actually something cool you should consider? And universally, the only thing that we've seen work over the years consistently to make a wow factor is when kids or adults come into a plant and they see firsthand what it is that's actually going on. That's when people's eyes light up, and that is how we believe that we will change the the hearts and minds of students. Is One, showing them. I mean, manufacturing is all about touch and feel. But two, the best proof is that their friend gets a job. Our recruitment for our apprenticeship program we talked about has gone through the roof. We have to turn people away because they have friends in the same schools that say, I got that job. That was great. Follow me. So there is a social proof that starts slowly and grows And referrals, we know that referrals of employees are the best source. It works in communities too. People's neighbors saying, this is a good job. This is a good thing. That's truly what's going to make the tide change. And so what we're doing is providing that opportunity for thousands of students to come in and see a live plant tour and much more. And we are doing the work to get people that have manufacturing jobs back into their communities, recruiting others with that social proof. We're not relying on traditional marketing, even though we have that out there. But I can tell you the number of times I've sent something out that's really high quality and the response rate, maybe it's out there, maybe it's branding, manufacturing, I feel good about it. But like I said, that Coke level advertising campaign, I just don't think I'm touching anybody enough with my $100,000 here, $200,000 here to change their mind. But if I can get one conversation and one tour... I know I can.
1: So let's talk about uh, this brand new building you guys got and how that's going to change a ton of minds. What was the need behind the building and you know how will and has the manufacturing community already benefited from it?
0: At Magnet, like I said, like half or more of what we do is going into companies. So we understand companies. And
1: everything I tell
0: have told you and everything I'm going to tell you, manufacturers, big ones, small ones, have stood behind, not only funded, but also designed. The idea of taking what we do every day, which is partially creating new products, candy bar makers, Cleveland whiskeys of the world, you know, and then a whole bunch of B2B companies, Uh, you know, the number of airplane parts that we've worked on has been quite high, right? We do that in a shop and that shop has old equipment, new equipment. It looks like our manufacturers, not a production shop, but we said, well, rather than interrupting plants all day long, what if we opened our shop up to tours? And once we said, well, why don't we open our shop up to tours, we said, why don't we work with the Great Lakes Science Center and actually put exhibits? And if we're putting exhibits that people can touch and feel before they do a plant tour, why don't we figure out how to give them an experience that gets at what manufacturers do on the shop floor that is unique? So for example, we have students come in, they get a plant tour, they have some exhibits that show them, hey, here's what stamping is. And it does a simulated stamping or pull this lever and it shows you how an injection mold works. Okay, but let's actually have y'all line up and you're going to make a cookie cutter and you're going to have different roles. One person's going to spot weld and one person's going to bend the metal and one person's going to form it and one person's going to die cut. How do you make that more efficient team? And we actually go through operations improvements there and then they get to take a cookie cutter home. But more than that, so much of manufacturing in schools ends up being around engineering. And I love engineering. But not everybody wants to be an engineer. I love building robots. That's the coolest thing ever. Everybody should do it. But building a robot is not what manufacturers do every day. Engineers might. Manufacturers on the shop floor don't. But you know what they do? They work with those robots. They figure out how to fix them. They figure out how to problem solve when stuff doesn't work in teams. So that's what we have students do. We have them get in teams, they pick their components using curriculum that relates to physics and all sorts of math. And this is done in a half day field trip. They pick out their components, they price out their components, they put it into an automated assembly machine that they then run, it creates their car, They experience problems with that car. They mix their own paint to create a custom paint color for that car. They vacuum form the chassis for that car. They put it on a ramp and they race it against the other teams. And if you only have an hour and a half, they get a score. Did you win? Did you beat your other, the cheapest and the best performing? Did you do it? And if we have longer time periods with them over days, we can go step by step. Well, your car sold this many. You didn't optimize the efficiency very well, so it costs this much. You didn't make that much profit. And we can have the students go through every piece of it. They see the business. They see the marketing. They see the production. They see the quality management. They see the plant management. All as teams in a simulated environment surrounded in a real manufacturing facility. This is what we've designed. And we threw the kitchen sink at it. This is what we hope will change people's mind permanently about what manufacturing is. So they go into the community colleges of the world and so that they go ahead and figure out, you know, how they're going to move to a career tech school, or they'll go into an apprenticeship program, or just go straight into a manufacturer. All of these options are what we're hoping, what we're tracking. That's our engagement. And by the way, that experience works for adults, it works for kids. And I haven't even mentioned the robotic dog we show them, or the career ball wall, which is all robotic, or the drink-serving robot, which serves them Diet Coke and Sprite and and beer if you want it and wine. <laughs> it's it's full service. If you ever want to have a party at Magnet, we we've got robots to serve you.
1: So it's part manufacturer's plant, part museum, part science and technology center. You got it.
0: So <laughs> cool. you said how did it, how did it come to be? We just started adding stuff. When the Cleveland Metropolitan Schools said, you know what? Why don't we Least some space from you, we said. Well, would you send every eighth grader and every 12th grader? And they're like, Yeah, we'll do that. And we're like, Great, we'll create a tour experience and thus put thousands of people through every single year, getting mass exposure. And when Great Lakes Science Center said, Hey, we'll help you design this and then you'll be our satellite, we're like, Super. And then finally, we're like, Well, where do you put this thing? Well, you put it in the city where all the people are that you're trying to attract. So we're right here in a neighborhood that's been historically disinvested in. We're bringing back wealth into the community, but we've got public housing across the street, right? We're not. There's no gentrification going here. And in fact, quite the opposite. We built a brand spanking new STEM themed playground open to the public right outside. People can feel good about manufacturing. And oh, by the way, we can recruit their parents to come into the building and hey, maybe they want to, you know, change careers and get right into manufacturing. They can go into one of our three week classes that are happening every single month.
1: That's awesome. I love it. So if somebody besides schools, if someone's walking by the building, can they walk in and, and get a tour? How does that work?
0: Yeah. They can walk in, it's a quick tour, uh, or they can arrange a time and they can get a tour. Or if they're looking for a job, this is a manufacturing innovation jo- technology and job center for a reason. They can connect with some of the folks that are actually housed with us, like an organization called Towards Employment. That organization <laughs> actually works with people helping remove all their barriers and they're they're located right here so they can get help with jobs in manufacturing or elsewhere. This is the type of environment and you never know what's coming, right? We, today, somebody stopped in and asked whether, you know, we wanted to make this into a pl- site for for the next election and I'm like a lot of people getting exposed to manufacturing why not like that makes sense and that's our you know you said how do we get exposure out there like that that's it and so you know we're being creative and at the same time we're just trying to make a really good experience based on what we know about manufacturers
1: love it Ethan this has been great we appreciate you coming on we're gonna get you out of here on the hardest hitting question of the podcast time for some free advertising on your lunch breakfast dinner breaks from working where are you going to eat? What are your go-to restaurants in Cleveland? Given our proximity
0: to Asiatown, it's Liwa all the way. Love that place. Other favorites in, in Asiatown, Korea House, also fantastic. Not a restaurant per se, but you will often find me getting Liwa and then bringing it across the street to the karaoke bar on the weekends, <laughs> Galaxy Karaoke, and doing some private karaoke. If any of my staff is listening, they're laughing because I dragged many of them there uh, as a team building event on a one thirty on a Friday. And you'd be surprised, you know, only a few people sing, but the rest of the people like making fun of us. So you have this hard work of trying to get people in manufacturing. You got to let off steam. And I'm often down there nearly Liwa doing
1: it. I love it. Well, we appreciate it, man. Thank you again for coming on. Where can everybody find you social? Website, whatever you want to share. Where, if they're looking for you, where can they go?
0: So they can go to manufacturingsuccess.org. That's our website. Uh, please follow me on LinkedIn and just look up Ethan Carp, K-A-R-P. K-A-R-P. Uh, Magnet has LinkedIn, and if you're really interested in a regional strategy that we put together with many, that blueprint I mentioned, and you want to hear some inspiring stories you want to see some statistics about the region, this is not your normal boring report. These are real stories of real local companies from Pierre's to Lincoln Electric. Uh, You can check out makeitbetterohio.org. Making it better, that's what we're all about. That's the name of our campaign. And feel free to reach out through Magnus' website to, to me or anybody if you want a tour. If you've got a cousin, an uncle that wants to get in manufacturing, you got a school you're connected to, you have a new product you want to create and you want some help doing that. We literally have written a book on that. So anything that is manufacturing related or just stop by. We're right across from that New Dave's on Chester um, in, in the center of Cleveland. So stop on by.
1: Thank you again, Ethan. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk with you soon. Thanks for tuning into this
0: episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.